Well, welcome to Wednesday night. Here we are again. It's good to be back. I've been gone for three weeks, actually here kind of, but Dan Seaborn was here for a couple weeks. Tonight we're going to talk about water baptism. And I know some, somebody probably says, why in the world are we going to talk about water baptism? I've already been baptized. I was baptized when I was a baby, or I was baptized when I first believed. Why are we going to talk about baptism? What difference does that make to me? I'll tell you. Why? It's important that we talk about baptism. Number one, it's important because it's a foundational doctrine of the Christian faith. It's a foundational truth. And it's part of what God put in the Bible as our uh, building, building blocks or foundation stones of our faith. Baptism is a part of our faith. And the Bible says to always give, be able to give a reason for your hope or always be able to give an answer to when someone questions you about your faith. So if you say, why would I want to know about baptism? How about because somebody might ask you somewhere in the community or someone might ask you at your work or somewhere, What's, this, what's all this about baptism? What difference does it make if they put you underwater or sprinkle you? Or what is this all about? Somebody's likely to ask you that if you begin to talk about it. And it's always good to have an answer for what they believe. It's also good to remember. You know, all through the Old Testament, whenever the Israelites went somewhere, they'd pile up rocks. You remember that? When you're reading the Old Testament, they would come up there and they would, when, when Jacob was at Bethel and he wrestled with God, what did he do when it was done? He set up a rock on end, poured oil on the rock, and he called the place Bethel, which means the house of God. And every time he walked through there, he'd walk through and see that rock setting up straight like that, and he'd say, I remember when God touched me right there. Yeah, I feel it right here in my hip, he'd say. Yep, I remember that I have to obey God because I can't outrun God, right? And that's part of what uh, baptism is. It's a point of contact in your life. That's just a small part of it, but it's a, one of the things. It's a memorial. I remember the night I was baptized at this church when Pastor Dwayne baptized me. In April of 1985, I was baptized. You say, my goodness, that's a long time ago. Yes, it is. It's before some of you were born. I realize that. But I was baptized that day, that night, in that evening service, and I remember it to this day. Why do I remember? Because God touched my life on that night. And it's like a, that date is like a memorial to me, just like February 5, 1985 is a memorial to me. I always remember on February 5, I wake up in the morning, I say, this was the day when I gave my life... This is the day when I gave my life to the Lord. I say on February 5. Why? Because it's a memorial. It's a point of contact, a point of remembrance. What are we doing wrong with our microphone? Anything? Is this me? Okay. We'll take the handheld. Thank you. Is this bad? Ooh, that's loud. Okay. That's better. It's a point of remembrance or it's a point of contact. So that tonight, as we talk about baptism, maybe you were already baptized, um, maybe as a child, and maybe you'll feel um, inspired to be baptized as a believer tonight if you were baptized as a child. Or maybe you were baptized already as a believer, but you can then share um, the truth from the Bible of why those around you might want to get baptized in their own life. 
So let's go into it. What is, first of all, what is baptism? Well, the word baptism comes from the Greek word, Strong's number 911, as if you care. Um, it's the Greek word baptizo. I've always been kind of, uh, I'm, it just tickles me that they took words directly out of the Greek and because they didn't want to translate them, they just made a new word that's really a Greek word, but that's in the English language. It's literally, the Greek word is baptizo, which means to immerse or to dunk. So when you take your cookie and you dunk it in your coffee, you are baptizing your cookie. You literally are baptizing your cookie, baptizo. Okay, and the, the history behind it is the church at the time of the translation of the Bible and the writing of the King James, their doctrine was a doctrine of sprinkling, not of immersion. And when they came time to baptize, when it came time to write those verses in the scripture from out of Latin and out of Greek and into English, to make the authorized King James Version. And who do you think, who do you think um, authorized the King James Version of the Bible? What do you think his name was? Very good. Y'all have a keen sense of the obvious. That's awesome. You'll get that later. Um, but King James is the guy, and he, he didn't want to hear about immersion. It was considered heresy to preach baptism by immersion in the 1600s. So instead of getting in trouble with the king, the translators just said, well, the Greek word is baptizo. It means to immerse, but he's got soldiers and they're gonna put us in jail if we say immerse because that's considered heresy and we really don't wanna go to jail. Tell you what, we'll just put the Greek word in there and let them figure it out. That's literally what they did. So they, they put that word in there and it was, they just put the word baptize in there and it simply means to immerse, but that way they didn't have to confront the fact that what was happening at the time was not really a scriptural uh, method of baptism. It was just something that they developed and, and it was uh, by sprinkling. So anyway, the word, bapti the word baptize literally means to immerse. So, what about, what, why do we baptize? Well, it's a commandment to those who preach the gospel. Matthew 28, verse 18 says, you got it up there? Am I seeing things right? There it is. Is that the right one? There we go. It says, all authority, where was it? Jesus came and spoke to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even at the end of the age. What did he say to do? Go and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them, right, in the name of the Father. And one, one, um, one translation or one other book that translates the same verse says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. So one in other places it says baptizing them in the name of Jesus. So when we baptize people here, we baptize everyone in the name of the Father, Son, 
and the Holy Ghost, all this we do in the name of Jesus. We cover all our bases. So you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, covers the whole Trinity. And then we do all this in the name of Jesus, who is the King of Kings. So what is, what is baptism? It's a command for those who are gonna preach the gospel. Baptism, we are commanded that when we preach, we also baptize. Okay, it's, it's just simply a command. It's a command to those who receive the gospel, Mark 16, 16. It says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. It's pretty, pretty simple. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. We're gonna, we're gonna touch on that right now, and that, the first thing to say there is, baptism is not a salvation issue. It says right there, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. It does not say, but he who does not believe and is not baptized. You notice that, right? Baptism is an obedience issue, but baptism is not a salvation issue. Because let's think about the thief on the cross. He had no way of getting baptized, right? He was hanging, nailed to a cross, and Jesus said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. So it's not a salvation issue, it's an obedience issue, it's an identification issue. So if someone says, well, if you aren't baptized, you aren't really saved, that's, that's not correct. That's not biblically accurate. And this is the verse that they always use when they say that, but you'll notice at the end of that verse it says, he who does not believe will be condemned, not he was just not baptized. But if, because salvation, what does it say? Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It doesn't say anything about being baptized right there. But baptism is also commanded in scripture, but it's an obedience issue. Jesus himself was baptized in Matthew chapter three, verse 15. Jesus answered and said unto him, permit it to be so now for thus it's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. It's speaking of Jesus speaking to John the Baptist now, where he said, John, he came to, Jesus came to John and he said, I want you to baptize me. And John said, what? You want me to baptize you? I should be baptized by you. Now, how you like that? John the Baptist said that Jesus should baptize him being John the Baptist. But then Jesus said, no, you baptize me that I might fulfill all form of righteousness. So Jesus himself was obedient even in being baptized. John the Baptist baptized his hearers in Matthew chapter three, verse six. Jesus baptized his hearers through his disciples in John chapter four, verse one. Let's read John chapter four, verse one. Where's John four, one? There it is. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. You know, it says that Jesus had baptized more disciples than John. Now, through his disciples, through his helpers, Jesus baptized his own followers. So you're getting the picture. Peter, when he was, when he was preaching at the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.38, Acts chapter 238, Peter said to them, repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
Peter, on the day of Pentecost, what's the first thing he said? Repent, which means turn away. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Repentance, the doctrine of repentance. So he said, repent, turn away from your sin, and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins. And then he said, and then you'll receive the Holy Spirit. The house of Cornelius was baptized after they believed in Acts chapter 10, verse 47. Can anyone forbid water to these that should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit? Say, what happened at Cornelius is Peter had this vision. He goes over to Cornelius' house and he shares the Lord with them. It was against his will. See, God sent him to Cornelius. Cornelius was a Gentile. And Peter was like, uh-uh, I'm only going to the Jews. I'm not gonna go to the Gentiles. And God still made him go over there and then when he went over there, they laid hands on him and they all received Christ and they received the Holy Spirit. And since they had already received Christ and received the Holy Spirit, he said, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have already just received the Holy Spirit? So they got it kind of backwards. And earlier he said, repent, be baptized, and then you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Well, these folks got a little, they jumped the gun. They, they repented, they received Christ, they received the Holy Spirit, and then they got baptized. That's kind of how I did it myself. I, I, got, I repented, I got saved, I received the Holy Spirit, and then a month later I got baptized. So I kind of did it like the Cornelius. Of course, I'm a Gentile, just like them, right? Any other Gentiles in the house? I'm a Gentile. The book of Acts shows us that believe, okay, aside from Peter's ministry, there was other people in the book of Acts who also practiced baptism. This is one of my favorites. The Ethiopian eunuch, Acts chapter eight, verse 36. Now, as they went down the road, this is Philip. Now, Philip was a deacon. Everybody say deacon. What is a deacon? A deacon is, mere, is another word, I love this, it's another word that was a Greek word called diakonos, and it means servant. That's all a deacon means. Deacon just means servant. It was a word that was transliterated directly from the Greek into the English, and it simply means servant. That's what a deacon is. So if someone's a deacon, they're a servant. Okay, it's called servant leadership. So Philip was a deacon in the church. He was established as a deacon in Acts chapter 6. And by Acts chapter 8, he's out doing evangelism. He's out and about. And he comes across this chariot, starts witnessing to this king from Ethiopia, or a prince from Ethiopia. And here's what happens. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? He's saying, I want to get baptized. Then verse 37, the New King James, verse 37, then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. So the guy gets saved because he says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. The guy gets saved right there in verse 37. Verse 38, so he commanded the chariot to stop. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Is that the end of it? And the very next verse, now when they came, this is my favorite part. Look at this. Now when they came out, out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch was all by himself. He saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. Now, let me tell you, we're gonna have baptism next week. And if Scott disappears 
right after he baptizes somebody, that'd be pretty freaky. Y'all would just like go, what the world just happened, right? And, but that's literally what happened. Here's Pastor Scott. He's baptizing people, right? He baptizes his last one. All of a sudden, he's gone. Just beam me up, Scotty. He's gone. And that's what happened to Philip. It says when he came up out of the water, the Spirit picked him up and put him someplace else when he came up out of that water. Now, why was it so important to that eunuch that he be baptized? Because he, he had an understanding that as Peter had preached and all the first disciples had preached that you repent and then you're baptized as a matter of, of, of identification with Christ. You are burying the old person, your old way of life, your old way of thinking, your former way of life and your former way of thinking, your former behavior, and you're adopting a new code of conduct and you're adopting a new identity. That identity is in Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. You're no longer your own. You're bought with the price. That's what baptism signifies. It signifies an identification. It's that time when you say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. And you wash away. It, sim it signifies the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why baptism is important. Another place where, where it's a command to be baptized, Acts chapter 16, 33. And this is, Paul and Silas are in jail. Y'all know this story. Paul and Silas are in jail, and they're singing at midnight, Right? And about midnight when they're singing, after they've been beaten, after they've been jailed, after they're getting ready to be tried and maybe killed the next day, they're singing and thanking and praising God, right? They're not whining and complaining, but that's a whole other story. So they're singing, and, the, and all of a sudden God you know, sends an earthquake and opens up the jail cell. The jailer thinks that they're gone. He thinks he's going to be killed, so he's about to take his life, he has his sword, and Paul says, hold it, do yourself no harm. And the jailer took them, and, he, and let me just go back and read this, because I'm all confused based on what that says up there. What does it say up here? Yeah, I put the wrong scripture, I'll just tell you. It's in Acts chapter 16. The jailer took, took him and he said, he said, don't hurt yourself, for we're all still here. And the, Peter, and the jailer looks at, at Paul and he says, what must I do to be saved? He says, repent and be baptized. And that very, after the man confesses Christ, after he gets saved, it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your household. That's what he said to him. And then right afterwards... Right afterwards, it says he washed his stripes, he washed their, their wounds, and then their family was baptized. So it wasn't a matter of 10 years later they got baptized. They baptized right after they had accepted the Lord. The Ephesian believers... They had actually, the Ephesian believers in Acts, in Acts chapter 19, the Ephesian believers had actually been baptized in John's baptism, in a different baptism. But they had never been baptized in the name of Jesus. They hadn't been baptized into 
um, into the, the, new, the new birth. They had not been born again. They had been baptized into the old covenant under John's baptism of repentance. And when the, when the disciples came to them, they said, into what baptism were you baptized? They said, the baptism of John, the baptism of repentance of him who was to come. And he said, you don't need to be baptized in that. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus and then you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So after they had been baptized with the baptism of repentance, they'd already, they'd already received the promise of Jesus Christ coming. They'd already received the promise of the Messiah, but yet they received the baptism of Jesus. They, had, they, they participated in the baptism of the new birth and then they received the Holy Spirit after they had believed. So that's another, another example of it. So by definition, baptism just simply means immersion. By practice, there's three or four, there's 10 different examples. Well, I'm gonna give you one right here. That every time they talk about baptizing someone, it says the Philippian, um, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, they went down into the water and they came up out of the water. Well, I'm sorry, but if you're sprinkling, you don't go down in and come back up out of, right? I mean, that's just pretty simple. And that was true every time they got baptized, every time it's spoken of, of New Testament baptism, they said, and they went down into the water and they came up out of the water. So you got, you got going down in, coming back out. What does that mean? That means that they were baptized by immersion. Water baptism follows the new birth. What are the requirements for water baptism? Requirements are simply one. Be saved. Confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's it. You don't need to have a perfect life. You don't need to have all your stuff together. You don't need to have everything perfect in your life. Just simply confess Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you can be baptized. You just need the new birth. That's it. What is the age requirement? How old should, be, should you be before you be baptized? Well, in Isaiah, it says they simply need to be weaned, which means they're no longer breastfeeding. That's a bit young for my blood, but um, to me, I think it needs to be, our practice here at, at Res Life is if, if your child wants to be baptized, they have to be able to understand and communicate why they want to be baptized. I've baptized kids as young as five years old, and I've baptized people as old as 90. So, I mean, really, it's any, anything from five to 90, I'd say, is my experience, and they're all fine. Now, would I, would I recommend every five-year-old get baptized? Probably not. Okay? But it all depends on the particular child and their cognitive understanding of what they are doing. Whenever, whenever we're dealing with kids, we have them go through kid faith classes. Okay? And part of that process is we ask them, why do you want to be baptized? It's that simple. If they say, because I want to talk in the microphone, we'll say, honey, come back next year maybe, Okay. But if they say, because I love Jesus and I want to be baptized, we'll probably baptize them because that's a good reason. I want to obey the Lord because he said that I should be baptized. That's a great reason. 
You want to you obey the Lord. So let's just let forbid not the children to come, but it does require a measure of understanding. Believe and be baptized is the New Testament form of baptism. Believe and be baptized. That's why I, I don't want to step on your toes, but pull your toes in because I'm about to step on them. That's why um, infant baptism isn't, it's more like child dedication because you can't, a child, I was baptized, for instance, myself. I was baptized when I was like uh, a week old, okay, maybe two weeks old. I mean, I was a smart kid and everything, but I did not believe and be baptized, okay? Not at a week or two weeks old. What, you're really, what, what we're really trying to accomplish through infant baptism is really saying these kids belong to God. It's really more child dedication, and it's just, just look at it that way. But as a believer, I got baptized as a 22-year-old young man. Why? Because I had believed, I had repented, and I wanted to follow the Lord. So I got baptized and I got filled with the Holy Spirit according to what the scripture says. So I'd say if you were baptized as a child, but now you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've made him Lord of your life, get baptized. Why? Because you've repented, believed, and now it's time to get baptized. Um, the, the, it's great that your parents did that. And I'd say that's awesome. Not anything against them. I don't, and, but I would say that's what I did. And I would recommend that for anybody just to take that approach and say, I'm a believer now and I've repented. And according to scripture, believe and be baptized. So that's, that's where we go with that. So were there any, anybody that was baptized? If they were baptized prior to the new birth, um, yeah, there's Ephesians that we just talked about. They were baptized prior to the new birth, and so they got baptized in the name of Jesus afterwards. So why would we, why would we get baptized here? Obedience is the number one reason to get baptized, just flat out. It's just obedience. Romans chapter 6 is the scripture that I would tend to go to pretty much. That's my go-to scripture is Romans chapter 6. And as you look at Romans 6, which if I get to it here, help me out here, Romans 6. There we go. In Romans chapter 6, it says, first of all, verse 1, it says, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know as many of us as we're baptized into Christ Jesus, we're baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves of sin for he who has died has been freed from sin now if we died with Christ we believe we shall also be raised with him or live with him knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead dies no more death no longer has dominion over him for the death he died he died to sin once and for all but the life that he lives he lives to God. Likewise, reckon or consider yourselves dead to sin but alive to God. Now, that's a long passage of scripture. I realize that. Why did I go through the process of reading that? Because there's so much truth in there. Baptism 
represents the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. It's an outward sign of an inward truth that's already taken place. You were crucified with Christ. It's no longer you that live. It's Christ that lives in you. So you are burying the old man. We participate in the death, burial, and the resurrection with Christ through baptism. It's, an, it's a sign, but it's not just a sign. There are so many examples. I did baptism every two weeks, two services every two weeks for five years back in the building over on 44th Street 20 years ago, okay? And I tell you, I baptized everybody by myself and I baptized over 1,500 people, okay, in, in that five-year period by myself and that was what we did, and I tell you, I've seen so many people get free from so many things. People that were bound by nicotine. People that were addicted to marijuana. People that were addicted to different things. And they, the sins that they could not get rid of. And I would talk to them about, well, let's just bury the old man. And that sin is attached to your old man. And let's leave the old man in the tank. And when you get up, you're going to be free from that thing that was attached to your old man. Because you're a brand new species of being today. And I watched people just get free from cigarettes, from all kinds of different sins that were part of their life. I watched them get free from it just by being obedient and walking through the process of being baptized in water. That's the main reason you get baptized. You get, you bury the old person because those sins are attached and you bury it. It's an act of faith. It's a point of contact for yourself, for your life, and it's obedience to the Lord. It's an important part of our life. You say, well, for instance, for me, I was baptized 31 years ago. I was baptized. You know what? That baptism that happened with me 31 years ago is still effectual today. Well, what the world? What, how is it affecting you? Because I'm still a new person. I consider, I reckon myself dead to sin and alive to Christ today as part of that burial that I did way back then in April of 1985. It says, reckon yourselves, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God through Christ Jesus. We reckon ourselves. We consider ourselves. Man, you can point back and say, you know that day back in April? I buried that old man. You're no longer part of my life. Get out of here. And it's a point of contact. It's a point of power for your life. So I'd say if you've never been, if you've never been baptized since you believed, I'm talking about since you believed, I would encourage you, next week we're having baptism right there, up in there. We're gonna baptize as many people as sign up. We got a sign up sheet, or not a sign up sheet, but there's like a computer in the back and you can sign up in the back. And next week, all you gotta do is bring a change of clothes and we got uh, a t-shirt for you to wear that says, I have decided. And uh, we're gonna baptize as many people as come next week. And that's, um, that's the plan for next week. We're going to baptize them. We're going to have a big time and um, don't know what else the Lord's going to do, but it should be fun. What, baptism is an act of obedience, though. And every time we obey the Lord, he can't help himself. He just kind of goes, look at my kids. 
They're doing exactly what I told them to do. And you know, everybody who's a parent, when your child willingly obeys one of your requests, what's the first thing that you want to do? You want to either give them a hug or give them something, right? That's, that's, that's what I always do. I say, oh, man, come on. What, what can I buy you? What can I do? I want to hug. Come here. You know, I want to hug you or something. You know, we get that desire from the Lord. He can't help himself when you obey him. He just, he just gets, he gets all misty and he's like, oh man, look at my son. He's obeying me. He's humbling, humbling himself. Now somebody might say, well, I've been saved for 20 years. I can't get baptized. What will people think? I'll tell you what people will think. People will think, wow, what a man of God. He's getting baptized. That's awesome. That's what people will think. Seriously. Somebody will say, well, you know, I'm already a leader in the church and I never got baptized. Well, you know what we'll think? Ooh, they missed that one, but that's okay. Good deal. Good on you for getting baptized. That's beautiful. Good job. That's all we'll think. We're just going to have fun, rejoice. It's going to be kind of a party next week. We're going to celebrate. And um, just come. You know, it, it's not like you can't come if you're not going to get baptized. Come and cheer on and come and we're going to just basically have a celebration next week. Great music. We're going to have, we just worship the Lord and then they're going to get baptized. You're going to hear some cool testimonies from people and it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Um, never done this before. So we're taking a risk. It's okay. If you always keep doing what you've always done, you never get anything new, right? You got to take a risk. So we're going to, we're doing this because I'm obey. I feel like I'm obeying the Lord in doing this and offering this on Wednesday night. So here goes. All right. Next week, we're going to do water baptism. Come, we're going to have fun. Bring people. If somebody that you know hasn't been baptized, bring them. We'll get them, we'll, we'll get them in the water and get that old person buried. All right. Deal. See, Wednesdays are about application. So next week we're going to apply what we learned this week, right? This is what it's about. Cause you know, if the word doesn't change your life, if the word isn't, isn't really resonating, if, if, if the Bible doesn't change your life, if you're reading the Bible doesn't change your life, then we need to start reading the Bible with a different Mindset, Because when you read the Bible, it should prompt change in your life, right? When I read the Bible, it, it prompts me to change because that's what I want. I want to be changed from glory to glory. So I encourage you, when you read your Bible, look for ways that the Lord can help you grow. Look for ways that you can change and be changed by the entrance of God's word in your life. So next week, we're going to do water baptism. And um, let's just close in a word of prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Father, for the lives that are changed every day because of your word. We thank you, Father, that the entrance of your word brings light. We thank you, Lord, that there's no condemn condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We just resist any form of condemnation. And we thank you for light and life and grace in this place. We thank you, Father, for your goodness to be demonstrated and shown in this place. Father, we love you. Jesus, you are Lord. And we thank you, Father, for your goodness and your grace. Now, I'm just going to give you an opportunity real quick. Not going to take a long time. Just if you're in this place today and you've never made Jesus Christ Lord 
of your life. I'm not talking about calling out, you know, when you're in trouble. I'm talking about you've never made him Lord of your life. You can make him Lord today. And it's very simple. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and you're saved. You can know today that you're saved. You know, 1 John chapter 5, it says, these things have I written to you that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know that you have eternal life. You can know that you're saved. You don't have to wonder or hope so. Hope you've been good enough. You can know that you're saved. And it's by grace through faith. That's the only way we get saved is by grace through faith. When the confession of our mouth that we just confess Jesus as Lord of our lives. So if that's you and you say, I've never made Jesus Lord of my life and I want to make him Lord of my life today. If there's anybody here tonight, you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, you want to make him Lord of your life tonight. You say, I want to get, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life tonight. That's you, lift your hand if that's you. Just lift it up, I'll leave you right where you are and I'm going to pray with you. Anybody says, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. All right, we're believers here tonight. All right, that's good. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Father, I just pray joy upon your people today. I thank you, Father, that joy rests upon your people. I speak joy, the joy of thy salvation over your people tonight. We, we thank you, Father, that the spirit of heaviness goes and the oil of joy comes. Father, we thank you that you've delivered us from the, from the spirit of heaviness and that you give us the oil of joy. Father, we thank you that peace reigns in our hearts. We thank you, Father, that you go before us and you make a way where there is no way. Father, we thank you for your goodness, that you reveal yourself to us through your goodness and your grace today. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.